I think watching them in rapid succession, though, is better than just, like, having you watch one of them. And yeah. then, like, okay, that, that's fine. But then watching Mo and, like, oh, the, this is a project <laughs> that, he's, that, he's, that, that, he, that he has going on far beyond just, like, oh, you know, he makes one of these kind of movies every three years like other filmmakers do or something like that. It's like, no, he's at a clip of, like, two a year at this point. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's going for, like, he has specific themes that he wants to talk about. And, like, yeah, I guess you have to look at his films on almost, like, a macro level. I, I agree. I think um, <laughs> I put him in that, like, I used to think that way about Werner Herzog was the same way. Mm. Um, but Hong Sang-soo has taken that to, like, a, to the next level where it's, like, this consistent but every six-month conversation with how he's feeling about things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my current uh, position on love and art. Just want to make sure you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, man. It doesn't like wildly vary. Um, women are bemused and abused <laughs> and men are um, confused, ex- exposed as being confused doofuses. Like, that is one thing, like, everyone's like, you know, you could say it's a little misogynistic, but at the same time, he does not let the guys get off. Oh, no. At all. It's like, he's not like, no, these these are not like, if they're the director's surrogates, he's very hard on himself. Yeah, no, none of them are happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, or, like, know how to function. There's no real wins for them. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I will say that um, I had watched Introduction last night, and uh, I was having, like, a hard time kind of, like, you know, it's a very quiet movie mm-hmm. and it takes a little while for it to sort of build uh, to crescendo. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I rewatched like the first part of it, like five minutes, like the first five minutes, like two or three texts. I was like, no, I'm not getting it. I need to rewatch. Need to re-. And then I decided, you know what I'm going to do is there- <laughs> I'm going to watch my there's a movie I-, I rented called My Chauffeur. I'm going to watch that first. Then I'm going to watch <laughs> I'm going to watch Introduction. And let me tell you, My Chauffeur. The anti Hong Sing Su film, <laughs> a a movie seemingly a movie that makes uh it's kind of like feels like hard bodies where it's like the movie starts off where it's like all these people are having fun and then things that happen in the movie are so insane that it's like oh you can't this movie can't exist this this is this, this, oh, you can't wow. it's and it's like Deborah Foreman giving a Nicolas Cage esque prefer a jokery performance. Wow. As a, uh, she's like a, a dishwasher that finds out that um, she got a position at a, like a limo company. And the limo company is just a bunch of like old men. And she's and, like. And antics seem to ensue. Oh, so many antics. They are crazy. And they're antics that would be considered illegal to film nowadays. Oh I feel, it feels like everyone is now on cocaine at all times. <laughs> like it's it's yeah, totally look at this. I've never heard of this movie. Oh, congratulations on finding this one. <laughs> this is like a hard bodies esque film. It's like <laughs> totally ludicrous. It'd be a fun watch with a group. It's, it's totally Patrick. I'm gonna put it this way: sick find. <laughs> it's a sick. But what's great about watching also has the worst Penn and Teller performance in history. I see that they're they're playing. Um... Teller is playing Abdul. <laughs> he is a sheik. Which makes a lot of sense. It's not great. <laughs> he doesn't talk. That's good. Yeah. So the brown face is only yeah. visual. 
I'm not doing an accent. Yeah. And uh, Penn, of course, plays Bone. A pimp named Bones. A he pimp. is a pimp. And it is like easily, it's the last 20 grab, minutes of the movie. Grab my phone to the calculations. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. <laughs> it's the last 20 minutes of the movie. It, it You can tell that like whoever, like someone's agent was like, okay, just put these two guys in here. Yeah. They're hot right now. Yeah. It does not, it does not, but like after watching the my chauffeur, the need for like, I need like something solid. I need, <laughs> I'm in the ocean. I'm in an ocean of cocaine. I need land. <laughs> so 66 minute um, bemused lark on a aimless yet sweet natured young man who just can't get a good conversation in yeah, <laughs> it ruled i was like these hugs i love this man's weird hugs like <laughs> i love watching i love uh my favorite okay well we'll get into it but like introduction's good i like i i like introduction as well let's talk about it in just a moment but first hello and welcome to the award-winning podcast the academy academy <laughs> the show that discovers the absolute undeniable and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career i'm don saunderson i'm patrick gremion welcome to the academy and welcome to the hong sang sooniverse <laughs> <laughs> enter the sooniverse uh so i have a big birthday coming up um when this episode airs uh, tomorrow mm. and I decided to be a little indulgent and Patrick engaged me in my indulgence and I asked him for a birthday episode which we could talk about the filmmaker who for the last three years has been my obsession <laughs> it started off small and then I just kept talking about him all the time at to anyone who would listen or not even listen to me about him. <laughs> and that is, of course, the Korean filmmaker Hong Sang-soo. Uh, the, among, one of the most prolific filmmakers in the world right now. He's averaging two to three movies a year. Um, he, uh, at face value, you might think, oh, these are strange, semi-amateurish, like larks. But then the deeper you get into the mysteries of Hong, the mm-hmm. more you realize, oh, he is up to this gigantic project playing with space and time. Although at the same time, talking about very grounded, urbane, artistic folks in Korea. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he's absolutely fascinating to me. And I wanted to share him with a Hong Sang-soo newbie yeah. uh, to kind of get impressions on him i i first discovered first started watching his movies about give or take about a year before the pandemic started oh okay and then um once the pandemic hit i started re-watching his movies oh wow and they felt like for some reason i know some people got into different things like artistic things guy kind of like guided them in the pandemic to get mm-hmm. them through for some reason, I found incredible comfort in hanging with Hong Sang-soo's rogue, rogues gallery of um, <laughs> artists and the women who put up with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of dug deep. I've seen most of these movies two to three times now. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Like, that are available. So um, to kind of give a brief introduction to the audience about this man, 
Uh, Hong Sing Soo was born October 25th, 1960, which makes him 62 years young mm. uh, this year. Um, he was born in Seoul, Korea. Uh, his parents own a film production company called Cinetel Seoul. Uh, he entered the theater department at Shung Ang University in South Korea, but then somehow ended up getting his bachelor's degree at the California College of Arts and Crafts. Oh, wow. And then he got his master's at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. So he, unlike some of his peers, is American educated, um, which is kind of interesting. He made his feature film debut at the age of 35. Okay, gives me hope. Uh, significantly older than uh, also than his peers. Uh, p- film called The Day a Pig Fell into the Well. Um, unlike a lot of his peers, he's not um, he's not known as like a cinephile in the same vein mm. um, as like Bong Joon Ho or um, Park Chan Wook or directors of that ilk. Um, he's part of that world. He emerged at a similar time period as those guys, but he definitely feels quite apart from a lot of the Korean new wave, strictly based, I would say, on kind of his lack of genre conventions that those guys have delved into in such a major way and kind of pushing boundaries on that. But he did come about in the same time period as those guys. So a little bit of uh, South Korean history for you <laughs> mind you i'm no historian but essentially um they lived post the korean war under a fairly severe military dictatorship until mm. the early 80s in which things started to really change and then by the early 90s things had broken through and there had been a pretty difficult um culture and that sort of stuff was obviously when you're in the midst of a military dictatorship the walls are pretty high right that kind of thing um so when directors who are about the same age as hong sang Su, like park chan wook or bong joon ho they were all coming of age at the same time when videos first like all flooded the <laughs> korean marketplace and they became like these movie freaks except for hong but he grew up in the movie industry because right. of his parents um he's been a lot more elusive though about kind of his tastes in movies he rarely mentions other directors mm. doesn't talk about it and i think you could see when you watch his films his films are working on a different plane they're not really in conversation with other cinema in the same way like you can watch a bong joon ho movie and say oh there's like an element of hitchcock here or there's an element of scorsese here or something like that like yeah. there's occasional eric romare the french director is who hong is most compared to yeah. Um, and he has admitted he is a fan. And uh, Robert Bresson is another French director. Hong is compared to from Hong seems to be a little bit more playing with the French world rather than the American world, like some of his peers do. Huh. But um, you know, somebody was saying though that it's kind of interesting that Hong that he's not he they, he's been called an apolitical mm-hmm. filmmaker compared to who, obviously you watch a film like Parasite, right. There's a lot in all of Bong Joon-ho's movies, frankly. There's a lot to be said there, but I think that actually there's a really good piece in the Nation magazine about Hong called The World-Making Aesthetic of Hong Sang-soo. It mm-hmm. came out in June. And um, that kind of argues that he's actually talking about things on a political level, but he's doing it rather than through metaphor or through genre. He's just ha- portraying how young Korean people feel. 
and how they're living their lives and kind of like the ups and downs of their world. Yeah, and that's inherently political. And that is inherently political. Yeah, it just isn't like hit you over the head. Yeah, and that's I I don't think every kind of politics. No, totally. I don't think every movie needs like an Oakja. Like you don't, yeah. yeah, you don't need like a. You no, don't I need... mean, we celebrate that movie, and we oh, celebrate Bong Joon Ho's sure. dialogue. We're huge fans of his, but yes, like yeah, this is one of the like the joys of getting into Korean films is since the Korean new wave kind of began in the late '90s, early 2000s, the world and vast variety of cinema that has been offered out of there because they've basically they had like no chance to express themselves. Mm-hmm for many many years so when the first generation of directors got the chance to express themselves they were given kind of carte blanche to do so mm-hmm. um so it's a fast i mean obviously you know check out all those movies if you haven't checked out all those movies from the korean new wave there's like too many to count but they're for so sure. good and they're so interesting but you know as we mentioned kind of hong is an outlier in it and you know he started off um his first five movies day a pig fell into the well power of the kangwon promise uh, province virgin strip bare by her bachelors on the occasion of remembering the turning gate and woman is the future of man mm-hmm. uh kind of put him on the map mm-hmm. it's an interesting art house director kind of definitely with the <sighs> the elements that we've gotten to know with him that you saw recent with him the kind of domestic realism Street scenes, cafes, hotels, world of artists, that kind of thing is all present in all of these movies. Um, but he, there are a lot more um, kind of prepared and composed. As Hong has progressed, to give a broad overview, he now believes in kind of having a basic idea for a movie when he starts a movie. But he gets up at four in the morning every day on shooting days and writes the day's scenes and lets the movie unfold as he's working. Wow. Um, and this is the way he's worked a lot, especially post-tale of cinema. Um, he, at this point, the entire, so obviously, like, you might have been asking yourself, like, where does the money come from? <laughs> Yeah, for something bit. like this and in essence because he's become such an international figure he can get sales for distro pretty much across the world because his movies play very well at film festivals you can look it up he's won a lot of film festival awards mm-hmm. and basically he puts all of the money he owns his own production company he is his producer all the money that comes in after kind of paying for costs on the film get put into the next film and he maxes out about a hundred thousand dollars per movie at this point in u.s uh, dollars Mm. to make the film um and uh by the time of introduction one of the movies we're going to be talking about today which is one of his more recent movies you know you could see in the credits written directed produced edited cinematography and and music by home sang su oh my god these so this is like a factory of one guy (laughs) is how these are doing and the actors are saying yes to it because these are good parts that he's he's a good he's a really strong writer for actors and gives them a shot to do something kind of interesting 
you know, tough character work. Um, Tale of Cinema, the first movie we're going to talk about today, though, is kind of a it's a very important kind of demarcation line between the earlier Hong films and what was to come. Mm. Uh, Dennis Lim, the New York based film critic, just wrote a book called Tale of Cinema, which is ostensibly about this movie. But because he couldn't just talk about it, he actually talks about every single movie in the the Hong Sang Su catalog, because (laughs) when you're talking about one, you kind of need to talk about all Mm. simultaneously. But Tale of Cinema is the first one we're going to talk about. And why does this one stick out beyond, you know, anything else? It is a couple things. It's one of his first big structural gambits, which we'll talk about why that Mm -hmm. is in a moment is his last film to feature uncomfortable explicit sex scenes, which were a hallmark of the first six of his movies. He has not done it since. Interesting. Yes. I don't know why. Who knows? It's up to him. (laughs) 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 And probably the key thing of all, this was the first film in which he introduced the Zoom. Oh, he was no Zoom before this? He was no Zoom before this movie. And the Zoom is one of his trademark uh, moves. This like permanent, permeating, penetrative, three Ps, um, Zoom, in these soju-laced conversations. God, yeah, you do get the, when, when you do the Zoom, it does really amplify the voyeuristic. Mm-hmm. Like it does truly feel like you're behind a potted plant somewhere trying to get the perfect look of <laughs> you're, you're like okay this guy's about to grimace zoom in like <laughs> and this one this one may have the greatest one in the first six oh no right now wrong then has my favorite zoom mm. um which is simply the when they go to that cafe later on and he slowly zooms in on her as the director's talking and the look on her face like jesus what the hell is this <laughs> like you know there's a couple. I like that Zoom. Yeah, I'll tell you my favorite Zoom later, but that's a good Zoom. I agree. Yeah, but so he's building on these these tropes, basically, that he puts out there. So, like, the more of his movies you watch, the more it's like, okay, movie opens. The question is, like, okay, how is it going to be structured? How am I going to get into this movie? Like, what do I believe when this movie starts? And then when the, director, the, the character goes, oh, you're in town for a film festival. Okay, got a director as usual <laughs> um, <laughs> and, then, and then the zoom start and then they first start they go to a cafe for a conversation then they go to the bar and the bar scene is obviously like so apparently hong also i don't know if he does it as much anymore but i think he does generally the soju is real mm. that they're drinking and the actors are encouraged to loosen up a bit oh, interesting yeah um by all accounts hong has quit drinking in real life now <laughs> which is you know but clearly drinking and smoking are a huge part of his life <laughs> I, yeah the smoking is wild like the amount of it's kind of cool seeing like a movie with people smoking this much. i feel like it's like a number one very cinematic smoking mm-hmm. yeah and then uh I don't know. It's just a, it's not good. You know, don't smoke folks, but it just, it's not healthy. Yeah. Not healthy, but looks cool. I don't know. But I mean, if every single photo of Hong Sang Su that is, 
you know, you can find on the internet, he generally has a cigarette in hand. That's so he's, funny. You know, I, and the other funny thing too is most of the male characters, male lead characters, if you see a photo of Hung, they're dressed in a very, very similar way. Wow. That, um, well, that's like, is he like, do you think he's like, is it just like very, like at some form of therapy? Is he going I th- through? I, I think it is. So we'll, we'll talk about how, just how meta yeah. movies have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and how basically they are reactions to things that happen to him in some senses. Like doing his own synecdoche New York. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, that's a good good way of putting it. You know, <laughs> and but basically, Tale of Cinema is about a um, maybe is about a young aimless college student. You know, his who meets up with his brother. Yep. Who buys a guitar? Seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, like, like what's yeah. this cool dude this cool doing? Guy. He bails. Uh, <laughs> Sangwon is our lead character for now, <laughs> and uh, for the moment, <laughs> for um, moment yeah. and he bails on his brother who wants to like hang out and seems like a fun guy. Goes for a stroll. Uh, r- goes into a optometrist store where he he runs into Young Seal, who is his former girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He, they kind of hang out. They meet up later. They, he oh he goes to see a play, which is very important <laughs> between oh, yeah. them hanging out. Uh, a very melodramatic play, which ends with like this scream, "Mother!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, not the dancing style. Not dancing style. So yeah. then he um, he meets up with her. They have drinks. They go. They get. They have. Um, unconsummated very uncomfortable sex scene (laughs) Uh, then uh, they make a suicide pact yes Uh, they go through all the details on this so interesting thing is apparently um, there was an early attempt on his own life for Hong Sang-soo around Mm -hmm. similar age as this young man in this (laughs) film they didn't work and he kind of looks back on as kind of a folly rather than anything else. Hmm. But he's brought it up a few times in interviews. Um, they're going to go through with it. Um, doesn't really work out, thankfully. Yeah, it's good. And then there's an amazing scene in which he gets brought home, he's on an IV, and his mom just like shows no sympathy to him at all and just reams him out for being selfish yeah. and a loser, basically. While he's, um, like, holding his, like, IV bag. Yeah, and crying. And yeah. then he goes to the roof and screams mother from the rooftops. Then we cut. And then we're in the audience of a movie theater with another young man. This guy is, um, sorry, what was his? Uh, Tong Su? Yes the character's name mm-hmm. um he's watching and he, we realize that the previous 40 minutes or so of our movie has been a movie within a movie <laughs> which is awesome cool. <laughs> um, it is really cool that he did that and this is one of the first plays like so this is another key element that we we're gonna get when i brought up this movie of Stru- structural chaos and playfulness. You do not know what is real, what's going to happen next, how this movie is even going to be designed from basically here on out for Hong Sang Soo movies. 
which is really exciting. Yeah, it keeps it, you so engaged as a viewer. It is like incredibly liberating. I think the way that's cool too, because like I don't think there's any other situation or way where Hong Sang Soo could consistently make movies with such. It's like, um, you know, with such uh, wild structures, mm-hmm. like the combination, like when you told me that, like, yeah, he basically gets to do carte blanche on every film because he runs the production company and, you know, immediately puts the money into the next film and whatnot. That and the combination of like waking up at 4 a.m. to write that, like he treats like, like he treats painting or not painting. He treats uh, filmmaking truly like an artistic media in, in a way that uh, so few people get to, yeah. which is yeah. like that is exciting and incredible. Like, and that's yeah. like the final chapter of Dennis Lim's book on Tale of Cinema is like there's so many influential filmmakers out there. Why hasn't this attitude permeated with more filmmakers to like take it on as like an example? of how to like really explore as an artist. I, and I, I don't know. I, I, I know that I'm inspired by it personally, oh. and I would love to, this is, this existence to me. I mean, he's probably not the richest man in the world, but at the same time, it, he's living a very rich life because of it. It's yeah. Well, and it's just, it's, I think we get like so stifled and like, we put these fake boundaries on ourselves and we think the medium's kind of like at its peer, like, you know, it's like, what else is there left to conquer? What else? And like, he's finding new ways to breathe life into cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He's treating it as a living, breathing thing. Yeah. We that forget. is like a continuous it's he's on this continuum and basically until he's gone, it's going to work this way probably. Which is like, awesome like the fact that like yeah i think it's just cool that like yeah because like if you're waking up at 4 a.m to like write like that that is liberating that like that that's like and the fact that you don't know what's coming next that gives you the option to be like you know what last 20 minutes were a dream like (laughs) and i think that what's 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 so cool too is the fact that all these movies are so structurally sound despite the fact that they're not particularly mapped out before yeah. he does them like his cool like ways of like keeping you on your toes mm-hmm. just continue to be more richer and more interesting you know and the fact that he does this it has this continuous style mm-hmm. that rarely gets broken mm-hmm. is also like it, there's a comforting feeling to it but also so we made a movie called hotel by the river a few years ago and it mm-hmm. opens with a handheld shot. And for the Hong heads out there <laughs> who have been watching him closely, a handheld shot was like, oh my God, what's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, whoa, is he onto a new thing? <laughs> you know? That's the equivalent to like if you're a Marvel guy of like, you know, Spider Man appearing in the background of Iron yes. Man 3 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same like it's it's like, you know, I think that the other, you know, we've talked about him before, but comparable artist is Carl Ave Knausgaard, the novelist. Ah. In terms of just this constant strange monotonous until it's not output. Where it's just this kind of like, what's he up to? What's oh that's different. That's a new side. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> but it's it is kind of like I mean, there's no. It's just kind of a like less popular version of the same obsessions that the Marvel or Harry Potter or um, you know, what's another one? Game of Thrones type people do. It's just kind of almost nerdier at this point. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not as popular. Um, but basically, then the movie follows this guy, Tong Su, who's struggling rootless. He's a, uh, he's a filmmaker, but he's not as successful as his classmates. And basically, what we discover is the guy who made the movie that we watched in the first portion is dying. He was a former, um, was he a professor? Or classmate, classmate, classmate of our lead, of our now lead character. Mm-hmm. So there's jealousy, but there's also pain in this. This our lead guy has realized, like, oh, a lot of that, like, is from my life <laughs> in this movie. That we just <laughs> oh watched. no! And then he's wandering around, and he runs into he at the he runs into the actress mm-hmm. from the film, who's played by the same person who was in the film that we previously watched. Mm-hmm. And she becomes like part of his life, and they have a weird sex scene, and like you know, and it, it begins to repeat itself from what we saw before, all leading up to <laughs> a guy feeling sad. What is life? Maybe I should live my life a little bit better. And he walks away, and Hung's like weird taste and kind of Casio keyboard based. New Agey music yeah, that's, comes that's, in, which I love. You love it. See, I'm like, that's the one thing. I love the guitar and in introduction. The Casio, I'm like, this is a little bit like carnival music. Yeah. <laughs> but it it's kind of cool that he does it, though. It I don't know. To the like, questions of, like, how fast is he going on this, on these movies? Should he slow down? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's the same as like another another one of my favorite artists another one i know you like too is robert pollard of guided by voices yeah. the continuous like four albums a year style of him it's like you know i've got a lot of friends like i liked it when he put out a guided by voices album every two years but now it's a little confusing and i don't know what's good or what's bad <laughs> yeah it's a lot of like yeah <laughs> this whole album is just about wizards <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I, I, I've now that I'm like talking it out, I'm like, man, I am a fan of a lot of these kind of like, just don't stop working artists. It's cool. I, I, I think that like, I mean, it's it, he also like, you know, he is clearly looking for something, and he's clearly trying to like. I don't know if it's like exercising a demon or the opposite, trying to, you know, do the opposite, trying to figure out something deeper on a grander scale. But yeah. uh, like, uh, it is fascinating. I do want to watch all his films now to get like a <laughs> like a greater scope of his project, just because like, yeah, it. it I think there's a difference between just like showing someone a tales of cinema and treating it like a one-off or like a, this is just a movie and then seeing tales of cinema and then watching, you know, right now, wrong then an introduction or like other of his films and like kind of beginning to understand that, Oh, this is like, you know, the medium at which he, he paints. And this is like the, <laughs> this is like, this is like the, this is like, 
him expressing uh, well, just something deeper. This, interestingly enough, he has claimed his biggest influence artistically is the um, still lifes of Cezanne. Oh. The painter is his favorite. Is that that was like his most mind blowing artistic moment of his life was seeing those while he was at university in Chicago. That, yeah, I love that. Made me do the home improvement uh, <laughs> grunt. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, like you know, it's so I was just painting like pears or whatever all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, cool that there's there should be filmmakers doing that. That is like yeah, like and I we live in Los Angeles where it's all this like career like oriented this careerist thing and watching these movies to me is like such a breath of fresh air of like oh there's another world yeah well it's like this isn't like there's no there's no monetary aspect to these movies and and what's funny ironically what makes that um it makes the stuff that is like you know monetary in a sense like like one of the things that's most memorable to me in Tales of Cinema is when he's walking out of the theater and suddenly you see the fucking uh, Lemony Snicket's a series of yeah. you're like, oh, what the fuck? Like this, they're in the, they're in our world. Yeah, they, they <laughs> this is real. This exists. They're they're in a, they're in like yeah, and so like it's it's yeah. No, this is so. I'm glad. I am truly glad that this this needs to exist because everything is so tied to like. Telling a fucking story, saving the cat. Uh, make sure to include the fucking Chrysler in there because we got four hundred thousand dollars from Chrysler. Like, it's you can make films that are just separated from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it's yeah. thrilling. Yeah, it's and thrilling. It's, it's healthy. It's necessary. Yeah, and it gives you a shot in the arm, and it makes you honestly appreciate like the good versions of like the American Hollywood system even yes. more because it's like okay i know what is possible so now i can like kind of define what a quality picture is within this style yeah like because there's multiple styles out there that mm. are possible it's just kind of living in the hollywood bubble people try and tell you no it has to be one there's way. only one way and you know you have to you know and in hong sang Su's movies like there are acts will there be three well, there would be two. Yeah. You know, how will, will the they be designed? Be a dream? Or, the, or the, yeah, we'll all be a dream and then we'll be reverted back. I mean, one of my favorites is this movie called Hill of Freedom that he did. It basically opens with this woman carrying this guy. I'm not sure if it's a guy or gal. I'm sorry. I don't remember. But carrying like this stack of letters mm-hmm. from someone, from a lover. They trip. The letters get scattered out. They're not dated. They pick them up. And we mm-hmm. watched the movie basically in the order of how the letters were picked up, telling the story oh my God. in these flashbacks to the letters. And so it's all jumbled. This love story basically is all jumbled up. And it's just another one of his, like, he's so tricky and he's such like a, he's a trickster. Yeah. These are riddles, these movies <laughs> in, in their own way of like, and i like being engaged as a viewer i like being like obviously there's 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 a time to sit back and enjoy a yarn Mm. here there i mean i watched this movie called eye of the tiger gary Busey the other night (laughs) he's not only a vietnam veteran but he's also getting out of jail and trying to restart his life but will william smith and his biker gang let it happen no 
they won't. (laughs) Does the song Eye of the Tiger play like five times in this movie? Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. It's like in My Chauffeur, there was a band called The Wigs or whatever that they got for. And like. Yeah, and like half the movie is just like them in concert singing their songs, and it's kind of insane. The beauty about being an open-minded cinema fan is that you can enjoy all things. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. Like, and I'm totally fine with like a, a conventional story, and like, um, I just think it's it is kind of having this conversation with you. I didn't realize until like now, and it's making me excited. Like, truly, how liberating it is just to like. You know, yeah, treat this film not just as a conventional storytelling. It's like uh, if you're into poetry and discovering E. Cummings for the first time. We yeah. now have like someone who is like, you know, this is like, you know, he's like a cinematic Italo Calvino or whatever, which is so fucking well, this cool. This back to our man uh, Vince Van Gogh from last week. Yeah. Too, of like, yeah, I mean, you can see things a different way. You can paint things a different way and i think because cinema is such a young art form we haven't had as many of these kind of people who are and cinema is so expensive yeah that's a that's a huge aspect of it and because he's found this model in which he is beholden to no one he's he's cracked the code it rules (laughs) yeah it rocks it totally rules and it should be inspiring and it should make you want to like see what's available like the mumblecore guys got close and he's obviously been compared to those guys Oh, that's too. interesting. But I think that um, for the Mumblecore guys, quite a few of them, and there's nothing wrong with this, saw it as a kind of a stepping stone to getting work, to getting paid, to yeah. getting a Netflix deal. Yeah, to making that Groot movie. <laughs> yeah, it, well, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the Duplass brothers are act basically actors now for yeah. the most part. They produce stuff, but... And, you know, they said it pretty straight up that they didn't, they, they found the functioning of the studio system too constraining for them mm-hmm. as filmmakers. But I think they also like, in a very American sense, and this is not a diss, they like money. Yeah, money good. <laughs> hey, like, hey, like Frank, like Frank in King of New York. Yeah, I like, I like <laughs> I money. <love> money. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, like, even, like, going back to, like, one of the reasons why we were so struck by the Tommasos and the zero one, Zeros and Ones is, like, Ooh. Abel's working at this level of, like, you know, who knows? But he, Yeah! You know, and he's able to get a good actor who can get him foreign sales, and that's it. You know, that's... if you get Ethan Hawke, then you can make some, you know, make cash and survive to the next thing. That's like the secret. We need to like follow. You're not going to be rich. There's going to be some struggles. Yeah. You might feel kind of lonely. Like that's one thing mm-hmm. I would feel is like Hong Sang Su is working in, and we'll get to why he is perhaps not lonely within our next film and kind of the real life stuff that felt that came up came into play with the next film. Mm. Um, you know, he's working. You know, he's not going to get like a standing ovation at the Oscars like Bong Joon Ho. No. You know, he's not going to get, although Martin Scorsese does do an introduction on woman is the future of man. And he is a Martin Scorsese is a noted hong head. Ooh, <laughs> as well. I bet he's envious. I, be, I bet he is, too, because this is what the other thing that like um, going back to like another one of my obsessions, the Dogma 95, Lars von Trier, Thomas Vinterberg world was trying to do with Dogma 95 was trying to get to this level of simplicity and truth. 
within mm-hmm. their art and avoiding tropes and commercial trappings artifice artifice and that kind of thing and how yeah. hard it is which makes these hong movies even more of a miracle the more of them you watch you're like oh he's still he's out there right now doing it like he was just in new york and we'll talk about why he was in new york at the mm-hmm. end of the episode but um there's a photo of him on the streets of new york and somebody in twitter like the second comment was like do you think he's making a movie while he's in new york and everyone was like, oh, big fingers crossed. Like, uh, like, like, oh, is he taking the opportunity to like throw together a 66-minute movie of him, of a couple actors <laughs> hanging out in New York? <laughs> like, oh, man. I'd, I'd be so fascinated to see how the Hong like, style of cinema translates uh, in an American, into an, Amer- in, in an American setting, how that, like, how that plays out. Like, I wonder, mm, yeah. If, yeah. I wonder if it will have, you know, I'm trying to think of like the director that's most uh, similar to Hong in America right now. And the closest thing I can think of is Steven Sodenberg. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and I think, you know, he cracked the code by working on the oceans movies, having a hit every once in a while and then making, and then, Again, I think this the biggest aspect of all this is making friends with good actors. Yeah. And like like with George Clooney's like, yeah, I'll follow you, I'll follow you down any road. I trust you. Mm-hmm. That gets you the money you need. At the end of the day. 100%. Like same thing with like I have a feeling with like Paul Schrader, the fact that he's got the like he gets Oscar Isaac who's in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That helps you. Yeah. Get you over the top money wise. You know, and I think you're right, though. I think Soderbergh is a prime example of someone working within the industry, but actively um, maintaining an outsider status mm. as best as they can, while also being an insider. Yeah, as well. It's like yeah. Um, you know, I think though that he tried with he tried to do his own distribution company a few years ago with Logan Lucky and Unsane. Neither did well at the box office, though. And I think that that kind of sent him a little back on the heels of trying for full independence, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they're both actually excellent movies in particular. Logan Lucky is an excellent movie. Yeah, Yeah, it's a super fun movie. Um, But I I have a feeling like any American filmmaker who's open minded, probably a cinephile, you know, Marty among them would want Paul Schrader probably too watches the Hong Sang Su stuff. And I'm like, man, that is like. You know, you don't get to work on the broadest canvas. That is part of the compromise. You're never going to make the Irishman. Yeah. You know, at this at this place. But at the same time, you're consistently making stuff, which is really cool. But I think that in America, too, we have this, you know, I'd be the first to admit it. I saw, like, you know, that final sequence in 1917 where he goes out of the, um, you know, goes onto the field and yeah, like has to run across. Leaves the, the box has home. to yeah. run across the field. And I saw the behind-the-scenes footage of like Roger Deakins wearing a cool like safari hat, hanging off of a <laughs> truck while they're like blowing shit up. And there's like a hundred thousand extras running running around him. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Like that is kind of where you would like to end up yeah. in a way. But at the same time, if you want to keep making stuff all the time, this is cool too. Yes. There are, you know, there are many, in a Hong Sang Su kind of way, there are many ways 
many universes, <laughs> many, yeah. many unlived lives. Uh, one I think, could, yeah, one could have. I, for sure. Uh, I think like, I guess the thing I take away from this is I hope like 100% love a 1917 or a Top Gun or like mm-hmm. that, that stuff rules. I love it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I think like it's less of a, you know, it's not that I only want Hung Sang Soup. Like that'd be crazy. We don't need like. That- we just need all of it, though. We need all of it. We're greedy. Yeah, exactly. We need all of it. And then like there needs to be and there needs to be space for something like this to exist. Yeah. That's like a healthy and a healthy artistic medium. You know, this this is given uh, maybe not as much credence, but at least is given like, you know, a an opportunity to flourish. Yeah. Like and I think that's what that is what Martin Scorsese has been saying this entire time mm-hmm. in his Marvel argument. Yeah, there could, but there should be Marvel movies. Yes, there absolutely should be. Marvel Fine, movies. yeah, go to town. They should not be the only movies. Oh, for sure. Oh, that, I, and that's it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I gotta say, fucking saw Thor: Love and Thunder. That shit fucking sucked. Uh oh, uh oh, hot, t- hot take from uh, hot take from Patrick. That shit was so bad. It was so it's it's so frustrating. Like I can't, I can't even find joy in these movies anymore. They just uh, anger me. Like yeah, it I, ends like it ends with like the they yeah. have a Danny Collins moment in it. They have you like um you don't have to go. You don't have to see them. I know anymore. you can I, let go. Can I need to let away. go. I hate it. It's it's because like my my sister likes them and it's like, well, the only it's time a, you know. I mean. Seeing stuff with family, that's fun. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that gives a different element, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I might I might have to I might have to back down on the next one. I might have to be like, sorry, I can't see uh I don't know, whatever C list. Uh, I think at this point they're at fucking like characters like D Man. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't I they don't want to admit that after the end game they uh they have no game. There's, there's, yeah, they got no game. They're scrambling for another story. Oh, uh, fuck. What's another bad guy? Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. What did uh, Christian Vale say? They asked him about it, his experience with Marvel movies before he went, did this new one. He goes, oh, I saw the one about the big bloke who's looking for jewels. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's. They. There's like a, a a joke, like a one-off joke in Thor: Love and Thunder, where like it's like um, there's an ice cream shop called like uh, like Thanos's cone or something that has like, and it's so crazy that like this guy killed half the people on your planet. It's like making a like a Hitler ice cream shop. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it, there's there's stakes are weird. In those yeah. movies, yeah. Um, uh, let's move on. Let's get out. Uh, of this let's move Michigan. on. So, but basically, from Tale of Cinema mm-hmm. through our next film, he made a lot of key, cool movies. Uh, I've seen Woman on the Beach. I've seen The Day He Arrives, which is excellent. Uh, he made In Another Country with the French actress Isabelle Huppert. Mm-hmm. Um, Hill of Freedom, the one I previously mentioned, and a few others that are. Um, awaiting a more proper u.s distribution i should mention now that hong's movies the hong heads are growing Mm -hmm. by the day and there are two distribution companies cinema guild and grasshopper films grasshopper films follows us on twitter did you know that patrick no yeah they do because uh 
Uh, they also released Days, the Siming Long film that I was raving about. And what? they they liked that we tweeted that I liked that movie. Oh <laughs> yeah! But, but um, both these distributors, they put out awesome movies, really cool adventurous movies. A lot of the movies end up on Mubi, which we do not spo- we are not sponsored by, but we like Mubi. So you can check out a lot of them there. But um, they've kind of, Cinema Guild in particular has taken the ball and run with not only putting out the new Hong movies, but also releasing back catalog stuff mm-hmm. in remastered Blu-rays. Oh, and they have the rights to a lot of these films that are going to be filtered out. Basically, they've been filtering them out on a, every five, six month basis. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very exciting that this is happening and they have a tote bag, a Hong Sang Soo tote bag that they're selling. (laughs) And all this led up to kind of the fandom led up to this summer um, in New York. They did a full scale, complete retrospective of his movies over the course of two weeks. Wow. They did them as double features. And then the next week they ran them again for second screenings, but they switched what movies were paired together. Oh my God. (laughs) And Hong came to town to New York for it. And there was a Hong Sang Su trivia night, apparently, that was included in it. And it sounded like a great time. And I wanted to fly to New York to go to it. <laughs> um, our great friends at the American Cinematheque, they did a revival. They did a mini run as well last month of a bunch of his movies, including a full week run of his latest film, In Front of Your Face. So there is this rising tide of people picking up in the States on his movies. Hong Ascendant. Kind of, yeah, kind of obsessed with them because there, there is a quality. Once, you, once you've drank kind of the Kool-Aid and if you're okay with the Kool-Aid, you're kind of going to be thinking about <laughs> that, that Kool-Aid pretty nonstop. It seems. So <laughs> there's, nothing else like, there's nothing else like it, like you were saying, Patrick. Yeah. And, um, but this all leads up. He, you know, he's, he's developing the style, the zooms, the playfulness, the interesting... Uh, structures, the kind of vacillating between comedy and tragedy. All of his movies are funny, I should mind you, mm-hmm. on that. Like, all of his movies have funny moments, whether they're cringe funny or genuinely funny. Yeah, There's a line in Right Now, Wrong Then where she goes, are all directors like that? And he kind of puts his head down and he's like, yeah. <laughs> he, like, walks <laughs> after he rips into her paintings. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but we move on to 2015's, our next movie that we, I had Patrick watch right now wrong then um this movie did very well on the festival circuit won best film at the locarno international film festival Mm. also best actor um the key thing about this movie though beyond the fact that i think it really kind of sums up a lot of his obsessions in one movie and kind of his current style is that the female lead of this movie is an actress named kim min hee Mm. um probably most famous prior to this movie she was the star of park chan wook's film the handmaiden oh wow uh up and coming young actress in korea at this time um obviously a very like beguiling and beautiful and interesting performer very strong performer who kind of holds her cards a little close yes to the vest on what she's up to but she's so like she's very um her face tells a lot. Yeah. In her, and which is really like, obviously, as an actor, that's a very strong, very strong skill to have. She has, <laughs> um, a, she has a great, like, um, 
Like, she has these great facial shifts where she'll go from, like, you know, smiling and having fun to, like, deeply depressed or, like, oh, no, what have I, yeah, <laughs> what have I stepped on? Without dialogue and in, in the dialogue-heavy context of Hong's movies, that's really cool. Skill to have. Um, but um, the gossipy side of things. Mm. Hong, who was married at the time, entered into an affair with her. While doing, this, so. while doing this movie um this became hong who of course is you know on the artier side not the most commercial filmmaker mm-hmm. this became a topic of national gossip oh, in no. south korea oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and is was a very big deal he admitted straight up in a press conference to the affair at, at, at the premiere of his next film he filed for a divorce from his wife in 2016, but I and I am not going to get into what the divorce court system is like in South Korea. I have zero idea yeah. um, what it is like, both legally and culturally. Yeah. I don't know, um, so I'm not going to, you know, take any guesses. But Period. basically, that the court rejected his request for divorce in 2019 saying that only the injured party could initiate a legal separation. So to this day, he is currently married legally to his prior partner. But to this day, he is in a romantic and professional relationship with Kim Min-hee. Wow. Who has since starred in almost every single one of the movies that he has made since right now, wrong then. And that is basically, she has not been in very many other films beyond with other filmmakers or anything like that. She has become his romantic partner and complete muse and facilitator of all of the film. And since his relationship with her, his films have become more and more female centric in the leading character role. The doofus director has become a supporting character rather than the leading character since he started with her his direct film after right now rung then is a film called um on the beach at night alone which i highly recommend i think it's one of his very best movies Mm -hmm. but it is about a young woman an actress who is stressed out about her relationship with a married filmmaker who she worked with in her previous film so the meta qualities <laughs> and what is life, what is art, oh, no. are now completely conjoined. <laughs> oh man, that's like that's that is wild. That's... And that is why right now wrong then is a key film in the Hong Sang universe. <laughs> <laughs> and a key for because it's deathly entertaining and one of just like his best movies. I yeah. Think. Uh, basic, actually, yeah, okay. Basic plot line here. We meet director Ham, art house film director, naturally, yeah. who has uh, traveled to Suwon to screen one of his films in a retrospective. Very common <laughs> Hong Sang Su <laughs> setup there. <laughs> um, uh, while he's out and about, he uh, goes to a temple and notices a very pretty girl. Mm. Asks her for coffee. They have coffee together. They have a long conversation. Turns out she's a painter. Um, 
she, he goes to visit her studio, watches her paint. Afterwards, they go out for sushi. And perhaps more importantly, they go out for soju. Mm. They, they, and in particular him, get utterly wasted. <laughs> he, though, makes a very bold claim that he's never been drunk before. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe that uh, she has she tells him that they as they continue to flirt that uh, and she says she likes him that they like each other then that, that are they going to be friends are they going to be more than friends who knows they go through they end up going to a friend's birthday party at a cafe mm-hmm. and the evening goes incredibly sour yeah. As director Ham is revealed to be a bit of a surface level guy who's also a womanizer. Mm-hmm. And he kind of tries to laugh it off. She's not having it. She leaves the room. And basically, the night ends. Mm-hmm. The next morning, director Ham at his um, screening um, is <laughs> not feeling at his best. No. He harangues the um, the guy leading the post film discussion. He hates that man. Hates him. Gives him a ton of shit. Screams at him. Yeah, he might still be drunk, he, or he's just hungover. Then um, afterwards, one of the the gal's friends from the night before gives him a book of her own writing, and he leaves to Seoul. Cut to title card. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, the movie's only an hour in. Then the movie starts over at the exact same spot with the exact same character. <laughs> that was, that was it was kind of like, what's happening here? Are we doing the film version of those uh, Slylock Fox cartoons uh, <laughs> in the newspaper where like there's two images and one of them's like a little different from the other? What's happening? <laughs> and yes, basically we go through Director Ham's exact same day again. With slight differences in where things go. Um, this time around, at the, when he sees the paintings, he tells her that they're not so good, which upsets her greatly. <laughs> yep. Um, and then they they go out, and she seems a little bit more aware of him and his stylings mm-hmm. this time around. He seems a little bit more self aware as well mm-hmm. this time around like he he admits that he's um he can get drunk yeah one of the things i noted too in the the painting scene it's just the one big difference is that's a different color of paint mm. that when she's showing him her paintings well, um, also we never get to see her painting this time around yeah ex- yes i never it, see it it drives me mad i want to <laughs> see this more uh I mean, you get like a taste of it. Like there's like a painting on her like door. That's like, I think it's like, it's sort of in this, the style that she previously had that was very like free form, but there's also like a flower in the center, which I guess is like the, 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 I guess symbolizes that it's more, you know, constricted or whatever, at least. Although honestly, we don't even know for all we know, it's the exact same painting in for all, the, with different colors. Yeah. Basically. And the yeah. director's just being a bit of a cad. Yeah. And then, um, they go out for more soju. Mm-hmm. His drunkenness this time around is um, sloppier. 
oh, and man. funnier, it's, frankly. It's wild. It's, yeah, it's like, uh, he, I'm not taking cry, he cries. He screams. He's he a total baby man. <laughs> he is Michael Scott-esque. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. Because he also, like, he tells her he loves her. He wants to marry her. But he's also married. And he's got two children. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, uh, no. She's like, you're kind of pathetic, but you're interesting. Let's hang out some more. They go to this party. So interesting thing this time around at the party, she's never in the room mm-hmm. during the party sequence with her friends. But he also behaves in a much more insane way than ever before. He first takes a nap mid-conversation. Yes. And then he gets up and it's so hot in here. <laughs> he strips down. Oh. And naked in front of all of her friends, and they're oh. horr- they are horrified. It is. Oh, it is. It's like it's so nuts. It's, it's so crazy. It's yeah, it's funny and it's uncomfortable, and it's just a classic scene. Yeah, well, it's it's like every. I feel like his movies. Um, not every one of his movies, but like, but uh, you know, all his movies have these big crescendo movements and moments, and that's uh, and that's this one's crescendo moment. They, it's they're wild. not crescendo like in a big battle or. Oh no! But there are these like these moments of human interaction where kind of things reach a conclusion (laughs) of how far these interactions and this like bad or good behavior they like because all of his characters are so weirdly polite to each other at first. They're like, "You're so beautiful. You're so talented," all the time, Mm. and it is this coverage, and it might be a cultural thing of like politeness mm-hmm. and kind of not wanting to appear you know m- not wanting to be difficult right? yeah and uh, you know and that might be something he's playing with and when the, it is finally stripped down to like get emotional people behave in strange ways <laughs> because of it yeah. and outlandish and like desperate ways well, because of it yeah it's it seems there needs. I feel like it's almost like the cinematic equivalent to a zit popping or something. Where like mm-hmm. there's just there's so much pressure, and there's so much you know. Yeah, you have well, to. Well, in the earlier films too, he almost relies on bad sex to be that crescendo. Mm. And then, since he's removed that visually from the equation, now it's just weird behavior. Yeah. But nobody can. Basically, nobody's getting off. Maybe we should put it that way. <laughs> no, no one's happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not happy. No one is happy. Yeah. And so they he ends up getting dressed and he walks her home. And they're a little bit more comfortable. She's, she finds him a little bit more amusing just in general mm-hmm. this time around. But she has to like, she has to get in. And, and then she finds out that he's stripped in front of them and she finds it hilarious. And then she goes home. And then the next day, there's the screening, and it goes pretty well. And he says goodbye to the moderator and the assistant director gal who has weaved in and out of the story, mm-hmm. who he probably had an affair with as well. Oh, it's um, like, yeah, maybe. That's there. And then it turns out that um, he Jung, uh, Kim and he, showed up to the screening, watched his movie, said she will not miss his films again in the future. And they wish each other well. And she goes back inside to watch more movies. 
and he goes back to, I believe, uh, Seoul, where he's from. And that's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's such a good time. It's so just like, he just keeps you on your toes. He makes you like an active viewer when you're watching his movies. Yeah. You know, there's like, if you look down at your phone during his movies, you might be, for lack of a better term, fucked. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was like, this is these were movies that I had to like watch on my TV. I made sure my phone was like, it's like you know five mm. feet away from me, so I didn't have like yeah, because it is like the thing where like that was why I rewatched the beginning yeah. of introduction because it's like yeah, if you mess around on your phone, you will miss something. Everything matters. And the introduction, the introduction to introduction is elusive too he is, you know, it's like he doesn't make it easy yeah <laughs> it's a part. good yeah uh, but uh but like yeah it's so interesting watching both of these films and trying to parse out like you know like what he is trying to say with mm-hmm. the second you know with the reprisal of this uh you know of the first half of the film like are is this kind of like the ideal, like the only way this ends with this woman in uh, Ham's life? <laughs> like, you know, is this like, you know, is there like, in, I don't know. Like, it's like, there's also just so many different, like, it's interesting. He, he gets like hugged like three times in the other one, or mm. like he gets like the, the lady to bring her poetry and he gets like that one girl to like, you know, that one girl like kind of shares a moment with him, the assistant uh, host or whatever. And those two people kind of fall by the wayside uh, for good reason. One of them, at least in mm-hmm. the uh, second film. And you're like, is like, is there only like a finite amount of love someone can experience? And then oh, in order true. to get in order to get the love of this one person, he has to put the others by the wayside. I don't know. So I will read this to you now. This is from his 2015 press conference. Ah, okay. This movie. Uh, they were asked about what his kind of grand vision was. He was asked about it. Mm-hmm. So he stood up and drew a diagram of two circles connected by dotted lines under which he scrawled the phrase infinite worlds possible. And then he explained, just look at these two circles in the drawing as two independent worlds. If you believe there's a clear reason for these two worlds to exist, once you find a clear meaning between them, then these worlds themselves disappear. Once we make clear sense out of these two worlds, they are just used up. It happens that it's not easy to give them a clear meaning. So all the questions are kept alive if there's an infinite possibility of worlds. Oh, my God. So he's working on a different way, <laughs> different plane. <Yeah. laughs> my, my dude's an alien. I love yeah, it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it, all that does for me is like, does that make a lot of sense to me? I don't know. I'm not entirely certain. <laughs> But at the same time, it makes me as like a active viewer and fan want to watch them again and again and again <laughs> to, yeah. to like figure out what is like, this is like hard philosophy 
like in college or something like that. It's like Jacques Derrida or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're like uh, thrown into the deep end with Hegel. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if that is exciting to you, then this is this, then this is the zone for you, my friend. Hmm. If that is something that sounds terrible and up their own ass and like navel gazy, probably not for you. Yeah. It is like, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely, uh, what's an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's stuff I like, if I'm going to be like really honest, I respect Tales of Cinema. That's the one I like the least of the three. Mm-hmm. That one's difficult for me just because I feel like, um, there's moments in it that feel very like inert, mm-hmm. um, dramatically uh and you don't really get that like pop until like the very very end uh but like it's still even if it's not always what i like like especially now just like with this context it's been put in like yeah this is a guy who really cares and like has like a a world view and uh i want to figure out what the fuck that is i I, i'm gonna i i like i like the kim and hiera more as well interesting i think that they're more playful Mm -hmm. and like the the balance of humor and kind of bad behavior Mm -hmm. is a little more even yes in them and i think there's a little bit more of a warmth to them which I think as a result almost makes the films feel a bit more real. Yeah. Like, uh, I think there's like a, there's kind of like a flippantness to uh, some of the stuff that have they tackle in Tales of Cinema that almost kind of takes you out of the movie a bit. Although, you know, here's the thing. I was thinking about this after watching it. Um, you know, that's like a movie about someone that does not know how to function in life at all. And who doesn't understand the value of his life until the very end when he witnesses someone about to lose. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a movie where like, yeah, that's a movie that like, um, I think that's like a person that just did, did not know how to function and didn't, but also didn't understand what he had. And then when he, and it, ta- and it takes like the entire arc of the film for him to kind of get there. Mm-hmm. I um, think Tale of Cinema 2 um, works in a far more traditional art house level. Mm-hmm of like serious cinema right whereas the games of the what the the other two i had you watch Mm -hmm. feel a little bit more deeper down and within the hong sang su kind of obsessions Mm. whereas tale of cinema you could like oh this played the Cannes film festival or whatever like oh totally yeah this is like a serious work you know yeah yeah there is like this uh and i love it like there is like this like sense of like oh this is like you know how long does he i'm curious how long do you think he takes to film these movies i think it's like two three weeks yeah my guess especially the recent ones and it's there's actually i kind of like the breeziness of them there is yeah, yeah there is like this sense like especially with the film like we're discussing right now like like you get the sense of like oh like you feel like the director probably did come give like a lecture in this little town or whatever, or in, in, in this neck of the woods where he's filming. And 
Yeah. Probably he visited brought, like he, he was brought there for a retrospective and was yeah. like, eh, let's make something here because this will get to that in just a moment about him. The most extreme example of him doing that, which, which came out in 2017. Um, the film Claire's Camera, which was shot in Cannes. Mm-hmm. While another one of his movies was premiering in Cannes, he grabbed Kim Minhee and Isabelle Huppert and made a quickie movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the hope in New York, he did the same thing. <laughs> because, oh, wow. And I think like, because obviously in introduction, there's a German segment. Most of his movies recently premiered at the Berlin Film Festival. So I have to wonder, did he score the German segment while he was there for whatever movie he was premiering? <laughs> it, you know, and he just has his gear. He's got his lead actress who is... A, a, you know, he's very lucky that his lead actress is so immensely talented. His girlfriend and lead actress is so immensely talented that yeah. and willing to always do these things. <laughs> uh, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what their relationship is like. You know, you know, there's a part of me that's wondering is, oh, is he like stifling her from working with other directors? And exploring oh. other things? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely like, but it's at least it's not like, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I doubt. I, who knows? Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, she could be, you know, in, in the best possible world, she's just totally artistically simpatico with him and sees this as her grand experiment as an actor. Right. Too, which is rad. Yes. As well, which was, boy, how beautiful and um, utopian <laughs> is <Yeah>. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. But, um, Right now, Rung Then was controversial in Korea, but it was a massive festival success mm-hmm. and kind of continued to build them out. Uh, 2016, Yourself and Yours is a very interesting movie that I really recommend. And then 2017... Uh, the, you're, uh, you're cutting off. Headphone. There we go. Got it. Okay. Got it. Headphone issues. Um, Headphone. 2017, he makes On the Beach at Night Alone, Claire's Camera, and the excellent The Day After. Mm. Um which I recommend all of those in particular. I love on the beach at night alone and the day after it excellent as well. Um, day after also plays into Kim and he plays a, a editor's assistant. The, the bad man in this movie is a book editor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the interesting thing about her in this is that she's Christian and there's a lot of questions about um, religion come up in day after and, um, South Korea has a quite a strong born again Christian evangelical Christian um, uh, population mm-hmm. and it's interesting to kind of dig into that and if you're interested in that even further there's a tremendous film from, from Lee Shang Dong who did Burning did you see Burning? Yes that's. Excellent. I think Burning's a better movie than Parasite that's my hot take of the day Burning is such a great film one of his earlier movies though is a film called Secret Sunshine which I can't recommend Mm. it's in the criterion collection it's on the criterion channel that kind of delves into um tragedy and religion in a bigger in a bigger scope than hung has worked at but li shang dong one of my favorites of the um korean directors as Mm. well you know made a great film called poetry that i really recommend too um 2018 hung does two films grass and hotel by the river I recently rewatched Grass, and Grass is like introduction to a um, 67, 68 minute movie. And, um, but 
very deceptive in its depth and really recommend it. The second time through, I was even more impressed by it. Um, 2020, he does the women who the woman who ran. Um, spoiler alert, nobody really runs. <laughs> oh no! It, but it's an ex, it's a very interesting movie. Um, that one, Hotel by the River, or Woman Who Ran, was my first um, kind of like real time Hong Sang Soo movie. A lot of these I was catching on Blu-ray when they came out. I watched The Woman Who Ran at the Virtual New York Film Festival, um, and you know, as I become more of a fan. Real time is becoming more more important to me when it comes to him. And then um, his two movies in 2021, which are actually now 2022 for the United States. Introduction came out um, in theaters beginning of this year. And In Front of Your Face is having its kind of theatrical run right now. So ah. you can see in your city. I heard it just opened in Seattle this past weekend. Oh, word. Um, and it's getting in front of your face, I think is like getting one of his widest U.S. theatrical releases. Like it's getting pretty much all the big cities are getting it in like full like week long, week two week run runs. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it at the Los Feliz three. Oh, and I would have actually picked that one. I think because um, it really rocked me. It's a very emotional movie. And um, I think it's symbolizing both these two introduction and in front of your face are symbolizing a new sign of Hong because he recently turned 60. So aging and mortality, I think, are going to be creeping their way into his themes. Ooh, we're going to get like a, a Hong Sing Su Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> Except it'll be more people just like drinking soju. Yeah. Talking about it. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes when they shouldn't. <laughs> I would love to see. I would love to see Hung Sang Su with a hundred million dollar budget. I know. Like it would be, and it would be the same thing. It'd be yes. the exact same thing. And he would just like pocket 99 million. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, Kim, we're going on vacation. <laughs> You sure you don't want any of these? Like, you don't want like Brad Pitt or you got Paul Giamatti, even? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, but it would be weird. No, it would be yeah. weird. Although, I would actually like, I think that like you could picture Ethan Hawke doing yes. a Hong Sang Soo movie. You know, any, you could picture Willem Dafoe, certainly. Yeah. Doing I was gonna say, any, any of the Schrader boys you could really <laughs> yeah, picture, any of the adv- more adventurous. Mm-hmm. Of the Amer- like you could on the female side of things, I think you could see Elizabeth Moss doing a, one of the female characters. A Moss would be good, um, you know. But it definitely is like you have to be on the more adventurous side as an actor and really be able to give in and not say like you're not doing it right. Yes, because <laughs> he would just be like, "Yeah, he'd smoke like try to give a cigarette like." Hmm. <laughs> that would be his reaction i imagine <laughs> yeah because uh, you know in interviews too he seems like a mysterious not the most like forthcoming when he feels like it but um, you know he, yeah. he he plays the part that you'd expect the director of these movies to play mm-hmm. in real life i believe to do uh, not a lot of answers to what he's up to but interesting thing about his 2021 product introduction and in front of your face in front of your face is certainly about mortality 
and can and the lead actor is an aging um actress mm-hmm. character introduction though one of the reasons why i liked it and picked it was it's um i find it to be one of his most sympathetic toward youth movies Hmm. that he's made it's a youthful picture because i don't find the leading guy young who i his aimlessness is not a choice it seems like society does not want to accept like it's interest. like you know people talk about kind of the emotional millennials here in the hmm. states or the zoomers are kind of like yeah the lost hong somehow has found that in this young man in yeah. a way in this film which is really like and he's sympathetic to him he's not judgmental if anything it's the adults who don't give him the time of day or casting judgment on him or or trying to tell him who to be yeah and the same goes with his um his girlfriend character mm-hmm. too and so introduction is um 2021 movie it's only 66 minutes long so if you want an introduction to hung and you just got, got, don't have a lot of time on your hands yeah jump into this one yeah <laughs> uh oh and that's another neat thing about hong sang su is that he there he is not beholden to traditional run times he can do whatever the hell he feels like yeah. <laughs> however the long the movie the need the movie that needs to be that's how long the movie will be it's kind of cool that it's 66 that's such a an unconventional time and it's fulfilling yes you you don't feel like oh was that like an episode of a show was there more left on the table no he finishes this this story is complete Mm -hmm. in but it's basically about a young man young who who um a young ho pardon me who is desperately trying to get in a conversation with important people in his life and yet Hong Sang Su does not give that to us and cuts away to different things for the most part. <laughs> um, it's set in three different chapters with numbers on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one, he goes to visit his father, who does not seem to be doing well. <laughs> no, it he opens with his father sitting in front of an iMac praying to god for some sort of forgiveness or some sort of like <laughs> salvation or something it's yeah it's a very grim but that is that is like a wild opening it is so it's amazing it's been, yeah it's very evocative of what i'm not you know yeah well and it, and it you it raises so many more questions too when you realize he's like a a doctor of it's i think it's like eastern he's an acupuncturist yeah it seems to be the main thing he's doing mm-hmm. but yeah eastern medicines eastern um not traditional like medical science not yeah. western medical science so there's like a lot of like worldviews at play immediately he, yeah like a desperation <laughs> and it's very like yeah like he seems like a lost man yeah his son Drops by with his girlfriend. He wants to go to have a conversation about kind of his future, it seems, with his mm-hmm. father. He takes a seat in the waiting room. He's told to wait. Then some famous actor shows up. Famous theater actor, my Famous you. theater actor might shows up who is, you can tell from the start, oh, this is a Hong Sang Su man. Yeah, <laughs> and no, folks. Then it's not. It's not Nathan Lane. No. It wasn't Nathan Lane coming. No, and he um, 
didn't come he gets that. to skip the line ahead of his own son <laughs> and they have a scene together the doctor and the guy and the actor while the <laughs> son waits in the waiting room that's pretty much it for the first part <laughs> mm-hmm. this the second part of the movie we cut to germany where his girlfriend um is starting fashion school despite not seemingly having any interest or knowledge of fashion. Mm-hmm. But she seems to be another youth who's desperate for some sort of um, direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the boyfriend, Young Ho, shows up, Young Ho shows up in Germany unannounced <laughs> to visit her. Oh no. We don't see what their conversation is like, but she seems a little like confused and perturbed by why he has shown up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there is Kim Min Hee plays the painter she meets in a brief appearance, and apparent and is also credited as the production coordinator <laughs> in the credits to this movie <laughs> for the scenes she is not in. And then the third sequence, Young Ho and a friend go to a resort to visit with Young Ho's mother. And then the old actor from, from the original sequence is there too. And we wonder why Young Ho is not pursuing his career as an actor. And there is one of my favorite, probably my favorite scene in the movie of the old actor berating him mm. about intimacy on film. Yeah. Which is a stunning scene. And they're all, of course, all drinking soju as this is going down. So they're all getting drunk. Mm-hmm. As this is happening, his mother has no sympathy for him in his very, like, also reminded me kind of Gen Z millennial attitude towards intimacy, which is a very, like, puritanical. But not in a bad way. I don't use that. I'm not yeah, using no, that word it's in a negative, but it's a puritanical, like it has to mean something. It has to, we can't just be willy-nilly right. about these things. That's basically what this comes down to. He quit acting because he was asked to do a kissing scene with someone who wasn't his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Then he leaves the restaurant. Yeah. Pretty upset. He goes down to the beach and discovers his girlfriend there. They have a conversation. We find out she's married to some German guy. Yeah. And she's not doing well and she's losing her vision. Her she, has a, she has an eye disease. She has an eye disease of, it's some, not nature, good. of some nature. It's not good. Yeah. Then we cut to his friend knocking on the door to their car. And it turns out all that stuff with his girlfriend. And I didn't mind you, this is the second time I saw this movie. Um, I didn't pick up on this. was a dream. Yep. <laughs> and then they go down to the water and the guy strips down and dives into the freezing cold water. He comes out and there's this remarkably beautiful and tender moment where his friend puts the jacket over his shoulders and puts his armor and pats him on the back and stuff like that. And it's like, this is one of the sweetest relationships that we've seen in any of these movies is between these two friends. And then they just look out at the sea. And that's the end of the movie. And it's really poetic, (laughs) that ending. It's kind of a beautiful, it's one of those movies where like it grew, it grew on me as I watched it. 
and I kind of respect Hong's um, willingness to leave things kind of unanswered mm-hmm. and open. Like you have that one scene, for example, where he is um, the acupuncturist. Uh, he's you know putting stuff into uh, you know putting needles on uh, or doing something to the actor, and then he's like, "I'll be right back. One minute." And he goes upstairs and he just like falls asleep seemingly. Yeah. And then the old actor who's harangues and who in, you know, returns a triumphant return and uh, return in act three. Yeah. Uh, when he, you know, harangues uh, the, the, the son, uh, but he's just left on the board and he's like, hello, is anybody there? Yeah. I'm it's in a funny. lot of pain. It's, it's funny and it's weird. It's funny and it's weird. And it's like also kind of like beautiful and sad. <laughs> you wonder if like, if there's, he's a like lonely, when he's, there's like a loneliness to all these people. Oh, yeah. Well, like and it's like this guy who's like praying to God for things to go right. Clearly, God ain't listening. Cause he, yeah. And he's so like, he's so lost that he's willing to leave a guy on the table to go pray some more and just kind of like he's knocked out by it yeah and he won't see his son no nothing nothing is that, that it's so that it's so it's like a it's like a a comedy of errors and deep and deeply depressing yeah and it's just it's it's this veil pulling back on the older generation on just how lost and desperate they are too mm-hmm. and that's why the ending where it's just like i'm gonna take i'm gonna like impulsively dive in this freezing cold water and then i'm just gonna stand with my friend who understands me and look out at possibly the future because the ocean obviously symbolize and the vista symbolizes the possibility yeah of life beyond this like weird stringent area that they found themselves in of these adults who think they have answers but are literally laying on a table alone in pain. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah. Lay, either laying alone in pain or, uh, you know, hugging their MacBook in spiritual pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like uh, MacBook has never been so grim. Yeah. And they, and all of them think that they like who, who talk to him, like every adult, including the adults who talk to um, his girlfriend in Germany. Oh yeah. The flip side of things. They, they're very certain mm-hmm. that their answers it like at face value. And mm-hmm. then when they are alone, it's just like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like even yeah. his, like his mom, oh, that so part where she's on the balcony staring at them yeah. from the beach and Hong holds it too. There's that amazing part where they're like, and you were talking, it reminded me of the painting too. They're like, is that your mom? And they just stay with them and you're like, are you going to show her? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, um, it's just it, 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 it's this is a very deceptive movie because you think at 66 minutes it's going to be kind of this breezy lark, yeah, in a way. And I think that there's a lot going on in this picture, yeah. And think, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just to say, yeah, I, I just I agree. I think there's sorry, you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> But and I think on the flip side, you know, I can't wait. You know, hopefully you'll see it in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Basically, about this woman who is visiting with her sister. She's visiting. She's an actress. She's she's a little bit older though, and um, 
you know, it's not a huge spoiler to reveal, but she she's gotten a prognosis about mm. that she it's some sort of cancer or something like that, and she does not have long. And it's her visiting with these people who are trying to live their lives and they're flying through things. Then when she reveals that to them, they're like broken by it. Basically it's, it's like, Oh my, like oh, no. there's a long scene with this director where he's like, we're going to cast you and we're going to bring you in this. And you're one of my favorite actors. And she's like, well, you have to do it soon. And then it goes to that. And he breaks down. And he's the one who cries. And, like, you know, and it's just so stunning. And she's just kind of sitting there just like watching these people turn it on themselves. Her doom basically oh, and on the flip side the introduction about this young guy who's got his entire life ahead of him and all these people trying to tell him what to do and, like, <laughs> you know, and how like lost in themselves people are and you know this idea like i was having this conversation with jen kind of about how many people in your life like see you exactly how you are and how you see yourself and how few that are because everyone's narrative and everyone's story is their own story it's their own screenplay so like even like between you and i for instance like i have an impression of you you have an impression of me they might not even be our impressions of ourselves yeah (laughs) and like how key of a figure are you in my life how key of a figure am i in your life yep and could be very different. And we're never going to say out loud no. to each other what any of that actually is. Because that would be weird. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it, you know, and I have this problem where I feel like I will, like, uh, superimpose a level of importance. Uh, I will, like, take my sense of self-importance and assume that, like, you know, I really do influence. And, like, you know, I think most people are just trying to get through the day. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, like people don't realize how tertiary they are to others. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of one of the projects here being portrayed, <laughs> like within <sighs> these realms that he's playing with and like using structure to kind of open that up in a weird way. Like I went to, we went to this estate sale yesterday in West Hollywood mm-hmm. and it was from this guy. He was apparently a rare book dealer. And his house was filled with like so many, it it was the most specific stuff. He had spent his entire life building this collection of identity through these objects, probably. Mm -hmm. And now he's dead. And a bunch of West Hollywood hipsters, including myself and my wife, are just like rifling through his shit and saying it's too expensive. Oh my God. Isn't that weird? It's weird. Weird. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, everything's. I I didn't buy anything because I was like, this is so grim to me. Like, I felt very, like, off, like, put off by the entire thing. It was like, to all my, like, looking around here, like, I have, like, little, like, red dots that say 10 bucks on the Mm -hmm. spines of, like, all my DVDs that you see in the background here after I'm dead. Yeah, and like all this thought that I put it, like all this time and energy and like money that I put into this is just like now, just like in the ether. Yeah, or it's like uh, I had a, um, I was listening to a podcast. Oh, I'm gonna tell a story from another podcast, Ugh. but uh, 
you know who Eva Anderson is? She's like yeah. a writer on Comedy Bang Bang stuff. Yeah, she was at like an and estate. And her dad was uh, Harry Anderson from um, Night Court. Whoa! Huh. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, she was at like an estate sale for one of the, was it like, you know how like um, there were like nine Disney anime, like the nine old men oh, or yeah. something like that. So like she was at like an estate sale for like one of the nine old men had passed away. And he like left behind a perfect uh, a perfect Playboy collection. It had like every Playboy magazine he had collected and like perfectly uh, organized, them. organized and tabulated every uh, extent Playboy while he was alive. And that's just like a weird footnote. For this man, and then and, and, and he like it simultaneously demythologizes him, and all we have are just questions. Like we're never gonna yeah. understand. Like, like what? Why did this man? Why did, did this, he? This guy yesterday had like boxes upon boxes of like nudes, like new drawings and new <sighs> photos. It's nuts, and it's like wild. Like, what led you down this road to like? Decide this is, yeah. I'm gonna work hard at collecting this. Yeah, these strange well, nudes. I mean, I even I think I told you like when Burt Reynolds passed away, they did a big auction. Mm-hmm. It was it's more than just going to Burt Reynolds' house to pick through stuff when you're Burt Reynolds. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just like everything from the Bandit's car mm-hmm. to like just a weird collections of photo, like personal photos and stuff like that. And we bid on. Some Burt, we wanted Burt, some Burt Reynolds stuff. Oh, sure. But at the same time, it's like, even Burt Reynolds, somebody this big, it's just like, into the ether, it's just going to be spread out. Yeah. All these people, and it's like, now it would have just been this weird story of like, oh, that was, uh, we got that at Burt Reynolds' estate sale, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like. We become what we leave behind. It's very bizarre. It's, it's weird. And this, folks, is why you should watch Hong Sang Soo movies, because you're not going to get these kind of vibes and weird existential thoughts in many other films. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Because this is what he's gunning for in his big project. And they seem on the surface to be, oh, is he repeating himself? Is this is like people getting drunk over soju, having awkward conversations? But he's trying to capture human life within his small corner of South Korea mm-hmm. and his understanding of it. In the same vein, you would put Richard Linklater in his constant quest about time in all of his films. Linklater would be um, another good uh, North American comp. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because um, he's, he's always trying to push the medium and like do things that other people aren't. Even though I think like he pushes the medium, but if we could just get him to that one final... Like push if we can get him into the Hong Sang Soon zone, we're I like. I think no, he's about he's I believe the exact same age as Hong Sang Soo. I think that the, there's going to be an aging film from Richard Linklater Ooh. that's going to be pretty, pretty special. God, like a uh, like a like what what are the uh, what are the uh, what are the guys that that uh, what are the guys on that baseball team doing now? Yeah. And I think that like this is something that cinema has this unique quality that no other art form can get, which is capturing time and age. 
mm. and moments, which Linklater has done so well. Like if you look at a photograph of Ethan Hawke in the first before movie mm-hmm. and look at him in the last before movie, there's 20 years of life has happened uh. across his face. Mm-hmm. And he's fortunate that he's hooked up with an actor who seems okay with aging, which mm-hmm. is different. You know, if he had hooked up with, you know, I don't know, <laughs> somebody who's like Tom Cruise. <laughs> if Tom Cruise <laughs> had been, uh, but that would have been, I think Linklater would have found a way to play with Tom Cruise's fear of aging mm-hmm. too, you know? And I think it's a unique opportunity. And Hong is one of the most unique directors. And I thank you, Patrick, for indulging these with me he's got another one coming out it's done it played the berlin film festival earlier this year called the novelist film oh wow that uh we're gonna get at some point in the near future cinema guild has picked it up for distribution and knowing him there could be another one already (laughs) ready to go and i want to yeah and i want to thank you for showing me because it's it is cool like you know you get surprised so much there's only so many surprises you have with film i feel like there's only and if you watch a lot of movies you tend to get like jaded pretty quickly and you tend to like uh assume that you've seen everything Mm -hmm. and uh when that gets uh disproved those moments where you see something entirely new and it's like it's like the equivalent to like you know i remember the first time like i heard a guitar solo uh, that blew my mind and that's like something that sticks in my brain uh forever and th- this in some ways this was kind of comparable like you know it's like oh shit film can be like this i didn't realize that that's i love it when like my world grows and so yeah. thank you for giving oh, me that good. that was what i was that was what i was hoping for uh, yes yeah. and <laughs> you know an indulgent obsession for your birthday i mean i think you know that's what birthdays <laughs> are all about so yeah next next year on your birthday patrick we'll watch um whatever you yeah i'll watch we'll watch the shrek uh, quadrilogy watch the shrek films and <laughs> yeah and I'll, 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 I'll be interested in it i'll find a new form of cinema <laughs> yeah your mind will be blown yeah donkey <laughs> don't, don't, have some don't. more you donkey <laughs> <laughs> i want the hong sing soon shrek like I, I will say like if we had recorded this in the evening i would have suggested we buy soju drink during over the course of um this discussion (laughs) but since it was 9 a.m that was super little 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 early uh, little uh inappropriate and frankly irresponsible (laughs) (laughs) yeah like giving you the side eye like yeah i know know. it's like (laughs) yeah but i yeah i think we could both you know if you if you're up for an adventure and you have some time check out a few of his films um most a lot of them are available streaming um you can pick them up on disc from uh cinema guild or um grasshopper films in most cases arrow put out um tale of cinema mm-hmm. in a nice edition that also includes woman as the future of man so you can get two for the price of one. Oh, okay <laughs> um but these are these are really these are i, I think very cutting edge for hip movies and i think them to be really really inspiring i'm writing a script right now that um I hope to actually try and make that is in the spirit of this realm. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and he's the first filmmaker since Quentin Tarantino actually for me that I've actually actively tried to copy 
in some elements. And I was copying Quentin Tarantino in the mid nineties, mind you, yeah. <laughs> when I was trying to write those, but, but I, in the same vein as Quentin, because Quentin, you know, when you see Pulp Fiction, you realize it's a fractured timeline. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've discovered most of all is like what I find most attractive in movies is really is this kind of um, questioning of like where you, like linear, truly linear storytelling just is not in my wheelhouse in the same vein as like this like game kind of game theory structure. I love this. And I love like the bucking of a traditional linear structure. Like mm. it's so fucking cool that like, you know. Like, and half of a movie could be a dream or a what if or a reinterpretation. It makes you feel like anything, everything's on the table. Yeah. We could, we could see anything. Like, strike me even like when he did Hateful Eight, you know, and the fourth chapter starts and he comes on as the narrator. No narrator has been present thus far <laughs> in the film. And he goes, Of course, though, that's when somebody put poison in the coffee. It's like, oh no! <laughs> like, you know, what happened? Like, well, he flipped it on it on its head. Like, okay, this is where we're going. This is exciting. Like, and this level of patience, and putting yourself in the hands of a filmmaker, and putting complete faith that they're going to take you on a neat journey that only they could do is is super fun. And I think Hong Sang Soo is like at the at the vanguard of doing that right now. Yeah. I think he's and, at the yeah, yeah. It's weird. I don't want this conversation in. I think it's been super fun. <laughs> like, it, it's no, it's not. It's I definitely want to watch more of his films now. I definitely want to like, um, and I appreciate. I think in some ways, to me, this is like you brought this up as like a joke. The whole like you know, this is like a more interesting multiverse than any of the. Uh, you know, Doctor Strange or Spider-Man's or whatever. And I think that's true. I think that's like, a, <laughs> I genuinely am like, this is so, the fact that it's just so, the reality he he creates is so, you know, almost docudrama. Like, it's mm-hmm. so real. It's not like, um, uh, yeah, there's no like fantasy crap or whatever. But then he's willing to just like, you know, go these very, bizarre it is like a vincent van gogh thing we're like vincent van gogh he didn't draw aliens and fucking dinosaurs and shit he drew the real but it's how he drew the real that was crazy and interesting it's you're what you're not viewing it through your eyes Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have ownership over that you're just taking in like oh this is an interesting perspective on the universe Mm -hmm. and well and i think that you know fan culture has made people feel like they have ownership yeah. on these things. And I don't particularly want ownership. I want to be taken in and for better or worse, decide if I want to be a part of this world mm-hmm. that is being presented to me as a film viewer or yeah. art, art, like art or music or whatever. It's like, I don't need um, fan service. Well, it's, be- it's because people have been tricked into thinking that art is a commodity. Yeah. And it's not a commodity. It's art. It's that's and it, when, when you do you start, or leave it and it's not a betrayal if you if you have to leave it. Yeah, it becomes and it, beco- it becomes com- a commodity once the fan is like, no, nah, I want it this way specifically. That's I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The second there is like a petition dot com. Hong Sang Su, like 
get, 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 we we think you need to rewrite introduction. Yeah, <laughs> get it right this time. <laughs> uh, introduction should be in color. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't see it, but I mean, like, I I felt like it was such it was so stupid. The people who were like starting a petition to redo the final season of Game of Thrones. That's these guys' choice, man. Yeah. Whoever those two those two guys who made the show. Yeah. Those are call. Yeah, I I take I, it or I, leave it. Yeah, I, there were stupid moments in that, but I kind of did like how it like I liked the ending and like the very end of it. I thought that was cool. But I mean, even like. You know, I never saw this one either, but yeah, the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. That everybody was pissed off about because he dared to um, do things differently. I love <laughs> like, I, I think that's great. I think you should be able to do things differently. But, you know, people yeah. are like, it's so weird. It's like, it's just like the old ones. I hate it, but it has to just be just like the old ones. <laughs> no, it's well, it's like everyone has like, they're so connected to these characters at this point that it's like. It's like, and that's the beautiful thing about a Hong Sing Su movie. Like, they're so like subdued that you're never gonna get freaks like that that are like, I'm a, uh, I, I imagine director Han to be this way. Like, yeah, yeah, and and like a change in Hong's world, like I mentioned earlier. It's like, oh, he switched to handheld for one scene. Yeah, for his camera work. What does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah, you're you're constantly chasing him. Rather than him trying to chase us. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like the way he tackles the art becomes part of the art. It's very weird. It's interesting, and it, but it's cool. Yeah, and that's kind of what I think. Like, I don't know. It's I. It's exciting to me, and I hope. Um, I'm glad it was exciting to you, and I hope uh, maybe we've maybe a you know let us know via mm-hmm. Twitter or our email address. Um. If you are, if you have jumped on board the Hong train, mm-hmm. and uh, which ones you've liked, which ones you didn't like, if you didn't like it at all, you thought it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you thought he was full of shit. I think that's the other thing about it, being a great artist is that um, you have to walk a fine line with people could make an argument that you're full of shit. Yeah, I think that is like a real, and I can see. Yeah, there's like, yeah, I think that's like the kind of like the price you have to pay. Almost yeah. in a way, like if you're going to create and be out there. So if you're going out on such a limb, like there will be people no matter what that uh, will take you down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like, I think you have to be OK with that and just keep yeah. keep pushing forward. Put your head down and keep, you know, it's it's lonely, but you have to be OK with that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, like, there's definitely, like, a point in my life where I probably would have been like, oh, this guy's full of crap, but, I don't know, as I get older, I I really appreciate stuff that bucks the norms and, like, you know, really fucking goes for it. Like, we need that. That's, that's necessary. Yeah. yeah, we live in a society that has, seems to feel it's okay being conformist in this, yeah. culturally right now, and... You know, it's okay if you like the mainstream stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be the only thing. No. At I all. mean, it's like, isn't it like kind of dire that like, like Top Gun 2, which is like a good, I, th- I know it's a good movie or a great movie, but like that's like seen as kind of bucking the norm right now. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's like, no, well, like, it's yeah. Tru- it's truly nutty. Yeah that like top like or that like the lost city with sandra bullock or elvis are like man can you believe these are like not ip and they're doing so well it's like those are like 
mainstream fucking movies. For sure. Yeah, Elvis stars Tom Hanks. God yeah, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> like Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum are in the other yeah, one. Like, like, oh, Lost City. Like a movie. I liked Lost City. I had a lot of fun watching it, but motherfucker, that is the most yeah. generic movie. It's fine. It's yeah. like totally, it's like a like fine. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's it's an it's an airplane film. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, the blast <laughs> yeah. doing it. But there should be like a hundred of those. Yes. <laughs> hundred percent. Ugh. Ugh. So. Yeah. But I, you know, I hope you enjoyed the digression. I think we have one more digression to go. Yeah. It's a little different. A little off the beaten path. That is a wild one that Patrick pitched a couple weeks ago that we did not have planned that um, we, we immediately were like, yeah, we're doing it. Um, we'll just. Um, we could tease it out here. You're straight tripping, boo. Yeah. <laughs> You got me straight tripping, boo. You got me straight tripping, boo. Uh, like Hong Sang Su had us straight tripping, boo, oh, this past man. week. Uh, very fun one. Hope you all enjoyed the craziness. It all, and, and for every one of you who are like, when you do another bracket, let us know that you feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't worry. We'll do it. We'll do it if you want us to. Yeah, we'll do it. We're just having fun. We're two, yeah. two, we're two podcasting guys having a good time. You know, I mean, I think. You know, hashtag every movie is a miracle. And, you know, that lesson learned once again this week. Whether it's Gallo Walkers, <laughs> whether it's Doggy, whether it's Doggy Dog, <laughs> or whether it's right now, wrong then. Yeah. Every movie is a miracle. And you know what, Hong, Hong Sang Su, you have me straight tripping, boo. All right. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> good, good day. <laughs>